Hello and welcome to Huey Do Huey Think Huey Ask. I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I'm, I'm Robini Smithy. You're Robini Smithy. <laughs> um, and this week we watched 1982's Privileged, starring mm-hmm. Huey Grant. Yep, the lost movie of our time. Yes. Uh, now found by someone on the internet youtube who we won't yeah. we will not remember to give credit to yeah. um my fear is that this will become the lost podcast episode and Why? people in 40 years will dig up the recording um and everyone will be like oh my god i've been waiting for this one for so long um, i mean i think for anyone to be interested in this podcast in 40 years one of us would have had to make a massive impact on the world it would have to be like one of us is really like as famous as Madonna. Yeah, and it would be hard to do because there won't be a world in forty years. That's so. also true. Uh, but I, you know, I could see one of us reaching Madonna levels of fame. Um, not maybe for the reasons that she has though. No. Um, but how about Hugh Grant? How about that guy? How about that guy, Hugh Grant? In his, I would like to say straight off the before we even do the synopsis, I'd like to say straight off the bat, his hair is the largest it's ever been. Smallest boy, movie. largest hair. That's how it goes, it seems. Simply He's, enormous hair. I mean, it's so bushy. Yeah, no it's product. Like, there's no product in that bad boy. There's no other word for it. It's unkempt. Yeah, so, and I do feel that the very wealthy often have poorly maintained her yes uh well, Boris I, Johnson. I, you know what i think there's a lot of bad hair in this movie so i yeah i would i would go with that wholeheartedly um i think that and i think that there are a lot of people in this movie who could have gone on to be boris johnson so indeed um, indeed because that is what the movie is called if not about <laughs> yes yes it's i didn't necessarily feel a connect between the title and the plot mm. because the title sort of the title's very self-aware the mm. title's like yes we're a bunch of private school upper class kids at oxford making a movie about being an upper class kid at oxford but it it yeah. didn't really feel like it was actually interrogating that at all i came away from it feeling like uh the the moral of the story uh was that the main character is a sociopath that was that was the vibe the movie gave me i think that the phrase privilege can be attached to his his uh kind of belief that he is entitled to all of these women that he's he's uh running around with uh and also just that he wants to be the beanock he wants to be the main character in the yeah. play within a play which is more of like a play that is the play to yeah be honest, i mean i did so i did write down um what where did i write it hmm. i wrote down hmm i don't know if i can write a whole film i guess i'll just put someone else's play in it yes i i also had a similar feeling about this which was 
that it's very easy to write a movie if the entire dialogue to the movie is just a play that you have a paperback copy of. Yeah, um, it was uh, I, at least a quarter of this film was people reciting lines from the play that they were going to do. And that play was John Webster's um, The Something of Melfi? The, mm. Duchess of Me- the Duchess of Melfi. Yeah. Uh, and it was not by Shakespeare because they are obscure. Yeah, it wasn't Shakespeare, but it was apparently regarded as one of the finest Jacobean plays. Mm. Um, This film, not regarded as one of the finest films of the 80s, but perhaps, I I mean, I don't know if I've said yet, but yeah, this film is made by, like, the Oxford students. It is not a professional production, though clearly quite a bit of money went into it. Was it, I mean, it's Oxford, you know, their student movies are certain. I'm making a money symbol with my hand right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was it was it a like a student submission for a project, or was it just fucking about? I think it was just for fun. I yeah. think it was just for fun. I think. And that, well, I think they were all aspiring actors. Many of them did go on to have successful careers, mm. including did you notice Arthur Weasley? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Um, and our friend Morris from the film Morris. Yeah, there was some... I I think it's kind of nice that this is a student movie because uh, a lot of the time I was watching this movie, like, you know, they're all just rehearsing a play the entire movie. And I was like, this is what Oxford students do for fun. Like, this is how they... They basically never retire from being drama kids. They're 21 and they're drama kids still. I mean, the whole thing gave me big, like, drama A-level energy. Yes, exactly. And I think that it's fun that the movie reflects that. And it's happening in real life as well, because this Mm. is a bunch of kids making a movie together. It doesn't, it feels a bit all over the place in terms of the direction, uh, which kind of suggests to me that it was like a, everyone get in here and and have your say and argue over this. And and it's not very organized, you know, Um, and 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 people trying a bit too hard. Yeah, and I think that leads us, leads us nicely into my synopsis. Yes, here we go. Um, to let everyone know what this film is about. Are you are you also going to do a synopsis for the Duchess of, uh, of Malfi? Malfi, yeah. No, because I didn't understand a thing about that film, about that play, and I tried to read the synopsis, and I got very confused. <laughs> and and again, art intimidates art <laughs> yeah i mean particularly I'll, I'll read the synopsis and then we can discuss some particular points um some students at oxford are putting on a play oh, i've re- <laughs> let me start again <clears throat> here we go some students at oxford are putting on a play edward thinks that he's the best and wants this particular part but he gets given another one that is apparently a better part that he's not happy about that. He kind of fancies this girl, Anne, but he goes off her, but then she's into him. But then Edward starts shagging Huey Grant's girlfriend, Lucy. Someone else has a crush on Anne, but she now has a crush on Edward. The play happens and Edward fucks it up by just going ahead and doing the part that he wants anyway. I think 
Yeah, Huey, I think so. Huey then walks in on Lucy and Edward and gives Edward a quite hilarious slap. Then someone called Imogen, who I don't think we'd met before, is the victim of a sex crime. And maybe it was Edward who did it, but I'm not sure. I'd like to discuss that. Um, Huey then dies by suicide. Edward does a prank in his sex attack outfit by accident to the woman that was attacked. And then he runs away the end. We have a problem here because... All the stuff that I didn't understand in the movie, I was hoping that you would explain in your synopsis and then I'd be able to fill in the blanks because I was like, why did the movie introduce like a mystery that wasn't really a mystery in the last 30 minutes about Edward attacking Imogen? But did he? But he did. Did he? it's very surely him being in the play gives him an alibi because he was he, literally he, in the play. But, yes, but he ran out, and when they when they came on for their applause, he was not there. Um, it's just not like why did that happen? I don't know, but it, 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 it's played out like he was doing it out of like spite towards Anne, um, because right. like he's he's very smug when they're all partying in his room and he wants them to leave. And he's like, by the way, Imogen's hurt. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it, it, there's a bit of that, but also the problem with that is like, Edward's just a massive knob the whole movie. So it's hard to mm-hmm. know what is intentional knobbery and what is simply yeah. um, part of his, the way that he speaks. You know, he's a, he's a horrible yeah. person from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of uncomfortable watching him as a protagonist in this movie um, because he's just like such a dick to everyone all the time, especially yeah. Anne. And yeah, it's um, it's weird. They form this kind of friendship that just sort of asserts itself without there being any on-screen justification for it. Like she's like, I fancy you because you're keeping me here against my will. And then yes. a couple scenes, a couple scenes later he finds out that she's the woman she's going to be in the play that he's in. And he's like, I'm shocked that someone in my small college who I met once before is now in this play with me. Uh, And then, and the next thing you know, they're just on a boat together, having a nice time. Yeah. Dangling their feet in the dirty, dirty water. Yeah. I, it just really, it it checks everything from like an A-level drama devised piece. Right. You've got, like, a sexual assault. You've got people having affairs. You've got a suicide. Mm. I mean, all it's missing is someone who turned out to be a ghost all along. Which I I think we could probably come up with a reason for Hugh Grant being a ghost. Because he, he, he does, like, just go around doing things from a different age in this movie. Like, even all these Oxford kids who are, like, 100 years behind the times are, like... Hugh Grant, why are you challenging me to a duel? That was so iconic. I loved that bit. The second time we've seen Hugh Grant try and duel uh, in the... And I I liked that. I felt that that was establishing that, like, even within this very privileged set, Hugh Grant is from, like... I mean, his character was from, like, the upper, upper sort of aristocracy. Oh, it's... Yeah. I mean, I... I find it really enjoyable that the first ever movie that Hugh Grant starred in, he was playing croquet. Yes. Like, I think that it's uh, it's a nice touch to introduce him as the richest man to ever exist, you know. 
Yes, it actually really reminded me of um, of Prince Charles. And apparently, like when Prince Charles and Princess Diana got together, uh, you know, for starters, she was like 18 and he was like 35. Maybe she was 17 or something. I don't know. Um, but she was very young and he was much older. But also, he had spent all of his youth being friends with like old men because mm. he was so like cut off from normal society that the only people who's hanging out with were old men. So he was sort of had the brain of someone 40 years older than he was. Yeah. And and that's the vibe has... I was getting from Hugh Grant. Like, yes, it's the 80s, but you're acting like it's much earlier, but probably in your head it kind of is. Is it just me or though? Or did they, in? because that's like exactly what he's like, but for the first five minutes or two minutes, whatever, he's not in it for very long. But mm. when they introduce him, he kind of has like a Bart Simpson vibe to him where he's like, I'm the bad rich boy. I do what I want. I could drop out if I want. I've got this big mansion that I live in. Um, and then the next scene is like him elegantly reading uh, to the to the to the group because Oxford students love to read to each other and then compliment each other on how they good a reader it. they are. They um, love like, it. Like when you get drunk at a party in Oxford, apparently you just read from the closest like text you have. You know what? Um, I think I'd fit in really well there. You would I'd but love to read would, out loud. You would, but you wouldn't appreciate the reasons that people were letting you fit in. That's true. Like, you know, it's it's all transactional. You you're in it for the art. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be the centre of attention. Yes. Um yeah, it was mad. Also, all the boys were wearing suits all the time. Yes. Uh I actually would love to talk about some of Edward's suits, which yeah. were let's, let's go into so the heaties and jokes. Yes. It was so bad. I mean It was revolting. Uh, can we talk about that that white suit with a red tie? Festive. But <laughs> to what end? <laughs> I highly disagree. <laughs> I thought that it it was actually quite good how I don't know if this was intentional, but Edward was almost like, you know, the arrogant guy who's on the periphery of your friendship group who mm. you all kind of hate but he's just there yeah and he's like, just a little maybe, bit weird and i think that he was dressed to reflect that i also because you know in those early scenes there are like a bunch of like parties mm. um side note apparently the music like the bands the songs in this yeah were performed by a real oxford student band called kudos points and you know what they kind of slapped they kind of slapped i i can't tell if it's the same band the whole way through because for the first like 10 minutes it's all like disco jams with lots of saxophone Mm -hmm. in and then they appear again or a song appears again and it's like suddenly like an oi oi punk type thing um so i don't know if they just found their i love the movie but don't you love the idea of a bunch of Oxford students being punks? Isn't that just yeah. so funny? It's embarrassing. And I, I didn't think the song was very good. So, no. I, you know, but I, I think that, so my point, I was definitely making one, was that, that at this party, everyone is in like fancy dress, like, you know, like awful, like pub cruel shit. 
like posh shit. It's like one of them's dressed up as like the Jack of Hearts or something, and another one's dressed up as like a a, a cat or some shit. And then Edward is just in a in like the quintessential Oxford suit mm. uh, with that kind of like quiffed. Like, is. You is. know what I mean? Uh, and like he, it was like he was like I must one must be presentable at all times kind of thing. Um, one must. Yeah, I think that he was very. I still don't think he was quite conscious about how he presented himself, but I don't know if that necessarily came across. But then the his like relentless um, decorating of his sex attack mask, his, yes. his sex attack Batman mask, was yes. very strange. Yes, uh, like I said, it was. He had a. They kind of turned him into like a true crime protagonist. Yeah. Um, but then, it, and it's I weird. Think the film opens that way as well because it opens with him like walking down a corridor, and the angles are all very, "Ooh, where's he yeah. going?" And the music is like, "Dun dun." It's like, it's like the bookends are like, "I am a man who does sexual assault," and uh, and then the rest of the movie is just like, "Oh, I am in a play for Souf," um, and just him getting really mad that he's not playing the role in the movie that he wants to play yeah um so it's kind of weird i also i wrote down about him that there's a scene where he's like at debate club uh and i, I, wrote, I just wrote down these nerds need to get a life yes I, I i also wrote the word nerds down a few times and i also wrote when you're a student at oxford at debate club you're basically cosplaying as a lawyer and a mock the week comedian at the same yeah. time uh, and that's like it was like he was doing stand up for a really long time, and yes. he, he 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 one of his arguments, uh, I believe, against democracy or some shit, was what is democracy if not some kind of Tory by bise- psychological bisexuality? Um, yes, and I was like, what an interesting <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Um, I mean, let's not forget it was the 80s, so it was before people believed in bisexuality as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely had that vibe of, like, bipartisan yeah. is, is gay and straight, you know? Yeah. Um, what a dick! Honestly, so vile, so smug, um, just disgusting. He... Just a disgusting young man. He got slapped in the face by Hugh Grant. Uh, in Which one of the funniest, me. one of the funniest. Uh... It was so fun. You know what? Let, let me talk you through what I think happened there. Okay. They wanted it to be a punch, but they didn't know how to do a punch in a way that would look good on camera and wasn't obviously yeah. fake. Yeah. So they did a slap. Yeah. Is it because because it has that vibe of like the way that Edward stepped back was like he'd been full force like smacked you know but Hugh Grant's, like Hugh Grant's like... slap was like it was like a flop it was like a it was like a it was like I'm dropping like... my I'm like I dropped something I don't yeah know, his weird, arm just weird. darted out yeah it was like like a like a like a snake's tongue yes or like a get off of me like flailing <laughs> it was just very like nothing and and it was so good because Hugh Grant's character was so pathetic and like yeah when he saw his girlfriend cheating on him he was just like well, this is just a blip. Come with me. Come back to me. And mm. she was like, no. <laughs> um, and it just, you know, 
it's weird to watch Hugh Grant in such a humiliated role, I think. Um, yeah. Like, he obviously is, like, self-deprecating, but he's never he's never deprecated unto others in this mm. way, I don't think. Um, so, yeah. I don't know how he got out of this one. Yeah. He, I'm trying to think of any other characters in the extended universe who are so debased and I'm sure there are a few I'm thinking like the character that he is in that um the Woody Allen one mm. where he's like I just want some money money please <laughs> yeah uh... and I guess Mickey Blue Eyes a bit as well but then he's a hero at the end of that yeah, I mean he's he, he's he's having fun doing money laundering and shit in that one. So I would like to talk about the what this movie was trying to do angle a bit because Please. I feel like there were flashes of like these people are reprehensible wankers basically, and yeah. I think that they were kind of it was kind of like almost like the Oxford students were trying to be self-aware, but they didn't really have the self-awareness range to actually do it. Yeah. So like the scene where they're all at the pub and the mm-hmm. waiter is wait, waiter is trying to take their orders and they keep arguing about their their play that they're all acting in that is of high, yeah. high grade importance. And there's like a really funny cut of like, it zooms in on the guy at the bar who is like just a, a young guy who obviously doesn't go to uni and he's like furious at all of them he like hates them all um and the way the other way is like bloody students um and it kind of feels like maybe one of the people involved in the movie remembered a time when they were annoying at the pub uh and they were like there you go that's a critique of um privilege uh it kind of so it's like edward is being a prick and talking over everyone and the waitress is like I'd like to take your order please and he's like shut up and piss off but he doesn't say that but you know yes um and it's like they've understood that being incredibly rude to to your server is yeah. not okay but they've not understood that just like their whole presence in the pub is really obnoxious yes <laughs> And it's and it's almost like uh, there are other bits in the movie that I could tie that in with, but I think that that's just me being repulsed rather than them trying to yeah. be repulsive. Because that there was a scene towards the end of the movie, which uh, I was watching this with Jazz, who described this scene as completely pointless, uh, which is most of the scenes in this movie. But they're all like. It's like in a dark room and they're all partying and they're all like dressed up in like fancy dress. Um, And like, it kind of just looks like a weird Renaissance painting. Like they're like all like sharing bananas with each other and like feeding each other and like sitting around each other, like uncomfortably close. And I was like, this is 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 filthy. That's their rap party, right? So they're all in their costumes. Yeah. Because that's theatre kids. They're very yes. touchy-feely. Yes, it just had the vibe of, to me of, like, look at how these people live their lives, yeah. you know, I in I loved the scene where Anne is like, oh, 
will you rehearse with me? You play the part of my boyfriend. And then uses the scene to try and be romantic with him. Because we, listen, who hasn't used a bit of theatre to try and get close to a boy? Honestly, so cringe. I I haven't done that, to be fair. Uh, So cringe. So uncomfortable. Uh, The way that it's filmed, like, he's, like, sat in a chair in the centre of the room. And he just looks like he's dying inside. Uh, And obviously the whole moment of courtship is played out in lines from John Webster's fucking play. Yeah. Uh, Side note, why is everyone in every play from the past called either Ferdinand or Antonio? Uh, I I could name like three other guys. Is one of them (laughs) Romeo? A fellow, Richard. It's like, you know, a lot of them are Antonio though. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, look, if that's as far as you're willing to go in your understanding or <laughs> critique of the Duchess of Melfi, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, I um, mean, I'd also like to say that their costumes were clearly borrowed from the Oxford costume department and they slapped. They were gorgeous. Can you imagine, like, being, like, uh, I don't know, a lecturer in, like, English or or film it, film or whatever. I guess they don't have that at Oxford, uh, as is evidenced in this movie. They do not have a film department. But they not? I would. I just mean I doubt it that right. they did at the time because it was the eighties, and also that this movie is bad. Right. <laughs> um, but I just imagine watching this and being like, "We gave you all those props, and you fucking did this. Like, just <laughs> do the play yeah. instead." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's very. I feel like it's very Oxford to do a play within a play. That's that's just my take. Yeah, definitely. Um, I going back to his sex attack Batman mask. Sure. So he wears that in the play to do a scene that he wasn't meant to do, and then Anne was quite angry about it. Is that right? Anne was angry because he assailed the role that he should not have. Uh, yeah, and I guess to her the most important. She seemed more angry about that than the attack on Imogen. Um, yeah, so she was really angry that he did that, and then his response to that was to get back in that costume, yes. to sneak into her bedroom, and attempt to romance her by waking her up in this in the in in and... the in the assault mask yeah. in a house with, in a house with the person that he probably assaulted. He is. He doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed. I don't know what he was doing at Oxford. It just seemed to involve a lot of rats. Um, yeah, he was doing some rats, some experiments yeah. on rats, which is further evidence that he is he a actually, psychopath. They, she actually said to him, what do you study? And he said yeah. rats, I believe, as if it were his degree. Yeah, he meant uh, he was trying to be a witty. Yes. Um, he also did a James Bond impression at one point. His, I did uh, not notice that. He did a Roger Moore impression, I believe. <laughs> For um, God's sake. Yes. Uh, he is a fun guy to be around. Um, he, you know. Yeah, he certainly thinks he's a fun guy. Mm-hmm. And inexplicably so do a lot of people who are around him. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just... a lot of them... 
a lot of them just seem to like he just seems to be causing problems for himself that will ripple out at the end like with his friend who's who sent the roses to Anne uh and who there was a one point where a guy was like to him like we need to have a word and the camera like zoomed in on Edward and he was like oh my god I'm in trouble uh and then it, I feel like it didn't come up again uh yeah I found it very confused I was like is he having a third affair I don't know about like yeah confusing I just I can't help but compare it to the musical six <laughs> okay which was a Cambridge Union University musical something, the Musical Theatre Society project. So Six the Musical was also made by students at one of Britain's most two most elite establishments. Yeah. Um, and it fucking slaps. It's like one of the best musicals that you can uh, go and see right now. Are you implying that Privilege should have been a musical? And if so, what songs would you have pitched for it? Okay. Um, I mean, one would have to be called Sex Attack Batman Mask. And it sure. Would, <laughs> Holy it Sex would, Attack Mask Batman. <laughs> it would feature him like, like it would be a scene where he's putting together his sex attack outfit. Mm. And it would it would have a lot of like you know, he'd sing about his mask and then he'd get his mask on and then he'd be like, and my cape! And then the cape would go on. <laughs> that sort of thing. That, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> the music in this was done by uh, someone actually uh, quite successful now. Uh, her name is Rachel Portman and she has done loads of stuff like loads she's she has done the scores for uh never let me go Hot uh chocolate uh like loads just loads of stuff uh basically uh and uh this was her first ever score um and honestly the score was interesting to me because a lot of it was very dramatic for a movie that was quite slice of lifey for the most part yeah um, there were those like big string swells there was also like a really persistent piano motif when they were at the bar that went on for like 10 minutes that like gnawed into my brain um but she definitely like elevated the movie i think to a watchable level <laughs> it would be my take yeah Yes. Well, we're, are, we, are we done with this movie already? I was going to say, uh, I really resent this line that was said over and over again, mm. which was, strangling is a very quiet death. What say you to that? Um, and I do not think... Sometimes I think that uh, referencing old uh, artworks makes your artwork worse. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I couldn't help but notice that a very strong theme in this film was milk. <laughs> I, I did not notice that. They're constantly like taking in the milk bottles, putting out the milk bottles, drinking a glass of milk. It was really prominent. 
I don't know what it was meant to represent or even if it was intentional. Maybe it's just that students at Oxford in the early 80s drank loads of milk. Yeah, what's that about? It was fucking weird. Another thing I noticed, they all danced like shit. Every yeah, there's a lot of... Right, there would be two people and they hold their hands, they, they each hold both of the other person's hands, and then they stretch out their arms and stretch away from each other and then pull in close. And then fling themselves apart and then pull in close. And they just do that over and over again. Is your problem with these kids that they are not the high calibre of drama kid that you would want them to be? The like you're like is that they're massive nerds. <laughs> they are it, it it is like look, I have two siblings who went to Oxford, so I don't want to drag too much. But it does seem like if you go to Oxford, you aren't allowed to have fun the way that people have fun. Uh, like, it it kind of feels like, I guess it's the boarding school vibe, mm. where it almost feels like all your fun has to be organised the way a school trip bit of fun would be organised. Yeah. I mean, the film heavily implied that they had a curfew. Yes. They were all out at a party and then they had to climb through a window to get home. And there were, I think there were no professors in this movie. Like, yeah, they, just I mean, they couldn't afford to pay an adult actor to be in this. Yes, film. true. But they could, they could have had someone like be like, "Oh, I, uh, I am, I'm the, I'm the professor. Yeah. I, I'm actually fifty years old." Um, I but have Benjamin they ha- Button disease. They, yes, like, yes, the first ever reported case. Um, but they did have the angry American director, which I appreciated, who was like, you know going above and beyond, believing that this was probably the peak of his artistic career. Um, Enjoyable. An enjoyable freak. Yeah. You know, I think that it's interesting that Hugh Grant had the smallest real part in this and is now the most famous, uh, the famous member of it, you know? Yeah, and um, Arthur Weasley also had a really small part. Mm-hmm. And now he's very famous. Not as famous as Hugh Grant, obviously, but famous. I wonder what it was about people that they just didn't really want to take a big chance on Hugh Grant at the start of things, you know? It's Mm. like, he can be in it, but he's not got that. He doesn't pop. Well, he wasn't a drama student and he had no intention of working in theatre. So they were probably like, this person wants to be an actor. Like, I imagine loads of like, drama society politics went into it as well like Mm. if you are a more active member of the group you probably are more likely to get good roles and stuff yeah at least that's my experience yes well you have first-hand experience with this i mean you did not get as famous as hugh grant but you uh, i mean have you ever been in a play that has a play within a play in it yes i have i was in a midsummer night's dream i see and were you part of the play no, I was fairy number four. Ah, okay. That's, you know, that's, that's a bigger role than I, I've ever... Uh, my my theatrical peak was um, as a stagehand in mm. our school production of Toad of Toad Hall. Very cute. Uh, based on the Wind in the Willows. Uh, and uh, they cut my parts out of the DVD they gave to parents. They just They just made it a black screen. So, you know, uh, that's really upsetting. My parents came and watched me though, and they described the play as terrible, but they thought I was really good. 
So uh, that's really nice. You know, um, maybe we haven't reached the dizzying heights of other dramatists, but we have a podcast. Yeah, we're famous. Yeah. Yeah, we're one of a kind, no category, too many years lost in history, free to take our crown in glory for five more minutes, we're six, <laughs> whoa, whoa, uh, we're six. I have a, uh, firstly, I would like to hear about nipple watch. No nipples in this movie. Okay. Uh, I have my own watch this week, which is, yeah, mm, yeah mm-hmm, mm, uh, mm, <laughs> which is basically me counting the amount of times that people made muffled Oxford person noises, um, which I came up with a number of 23. Uh, yeah. So these people are posh. These people, they're posh. And that's me saying that. Yeah, you're quite posh. I sound yeah. quite posh. Huh? I sound quite posh. Yes. Zoe would like to distance herself from the posh movement. Yeah. I'm not part of the posh community. Yes. If you are part of the posh community and were affected by anything on this podcast, please email us at thehewpod at gmail.com. We've not given out our email address in so long. I'm not even sure that is our email address. but I'm, I think it um, is. I don't check it. Do you check it? I do not know. Well, maybe one of us should check it. Maybe we, we might have received like a cease and desist by this point. Um, yeah, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's rank this bad boy. Let's get this into the uh, Hugh's the boss. Huey's the boss. Yeah. Uh... Okay, I would have to say that I have no idea where I want to place this. Yeah. So I'm just going to play it safe and put this above restoration. (laughs) There you go. That's a solid 20 second. What's that? What have you got below that? Restoration, a big adventure, two weeks notice, nine months, the rewrite. Uh... White Mischief, The Big Man, American Dreams, and the rest. God, I forgot how much you hated Two Weeks Notice. Yeah, it's bad. It's a bad movie. Um, I definitely liked this less than Paddington 2. Okay. Um, well, what else did I like it less than? Did you like it less than Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason? Yeah. How about Nine Months? Yeah. How about the rewrite? Yeah. How about the pirates? Yeah. How about impromptu? Yeah. Did you like it more than Rowing with the Wind? No. Okay. Did you like it more than the big... This is riveting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if Dowd could, like, play some, like, you know, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music. Or, like, like, Countdown? Maybe one of those or both of them at the same time. Did you like it more than Mickey Blue Eyes? I mean, I'm going to say this. You said more about this movie than you did about Mickey Blue Eyes. I liked it better than Mickey Blue Eyes and the big ones. It's uh, 24th for you. Uh, So, uh, you know, a a fine entry in... Mm. A fairly mediocre career. Yeah. 
We have a question to watch now, and I am going to pick the next movie. Yeah. Uh, Look, he's next. (laughs) Sure. Look, Huey's next. Yes, and for fuck's sake, uh, I have decided to, uh, effectively by way of apologising to you, pick Roman Polanski's Bitter Moon. Okay. uh, Get it out of the way, and... You know, off air, Zoe often complains to me that I leave her <laughs> with problematic movies to, to pick. So yeah. I, I'm just going to be upfront right now and say I'm not going to pay for this movie. And I'm also not going to watch at least 50% of it. <laughs> it is like. I'm, I'm going to skip through it enough to get a basic idea of the plot. Yes, I feel like we're, you know, we'll do like a 10 minute episode on this or some shit. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I will do most of my research on Wikipedia. Yes, indeed. So there bong. You know what? We've we finally watched Privileged and it was a privilege. Yeah, that's something to be proud of, I think. Yeah. I think that I you know, for weeks and weeks we thought we'd never get to watch this one. So um you know, would that Bitter Moon was the last movie. Mm. Yeah. I would not recommend that any of our listeners watch it or, as in Bitter Moon, not Privileged. Watch Privileged, it's fun. Um, I would not recommend that anyone watch Bitter Moon. Yes. It's not going to be good. You can listen to our episode. Maybe we'll we'll just catch up for half an hour. Yeah. I also feel quite confident that I am going to rank it last. Well, that's exciting. You know what? That's, guys. Maybe we don't need to watch it. (laughs) <laughs> stay, no, stay, stay tuned for uh, the results of Zoe's bold prediction. Yeah. Uh, where do you think I'm going to rank it? I think you're going to rank it a, as better than Death to 2020 and um, that one about the singing lady. <laughs> that one about the singing lady. Which, in fairness to the one about the singing lady, it is a memorable entry in this podcast, I believe, because... Yeah. How much we both remember it very not fondly. It was so uh, long. It really was long, and you know what? It, it's it, you know that's a you, if there was a use of the phrase that's an hour of my life I'll never get back again. Mm. It's definitely Florence Spencer Jenkins, which I believe is actually two hours long. So I think it was like um, two and a half or something obscene. It's way too long for the deeply uninteresting content it provides. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I will see Hugh later. You know who you are, Huey. <laughs> I will see Huey later. Bye.